Okay, welcome to the Placetech podcast. I'm Paul Unger, editor of Placetech. We're joined today by Alison English, who's deputy CEO of Leesman. Uh, welcome, Alison. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. I am delighted to be here. It's uh, nice to have you with us. So, yeah, Leesman, it would be familiar to a lot of people, but for those that maybe don't know, do you want to just start by giving us a little snapshot of what it is that you do? Sure, of course. Um, so here at Leesman, we measure employee experience, um, typically in the workplace. So for the last 11 years, that's meant um, the office environment. But uh, given the current situation and the fact that um, you and I are both recording this from home, we know a lot's changed. Um, and as, as of about March of last year, we started measuring what that uh, employee experience is like now that so many millions of people around the world are working from home. Um, so basically, we, we try and understand from organizations, what are people doing in their work um, and how is the infrastructure around them um, supporting them? Do they have what they need to be able to do what they need to do? Um, and then what impact does that have on the employee's productivity, um, sense of community, some of these areas? So um, we, we collect all of that, uh, benchmark it back to a global database to, to really let organizations understand how they compare to um, what the average says as, as well as what they look like compared to um, a, an elite category of high-performing um, workplaces. So in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's a bit about what Leesman does. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know it's very popular. A lot of people follow what you do very closely, ourselves included, your reports and, and other resources are very, very useful. And, and what a fascinating time to be doing what you do in uh, in the workspace. Absolutely. It's um, it, it's certainly the shift last year, um, and definitely from Leeson's perspective, has given us so much more to analyze and understand um, and research because we, we do publish um, lots of different research pieces uh, based on what the data is saying. So um, it's it's been a tremendously rich year uh, in terms of data and, and really understanding workplace dynamics and how things have changed now that so many people are are working from home. Yeah. And, and how did you change to respond to the pandemic when that that came along can you tell us what you've been doing in the last year or so absolutely we we got the word from uh, a client actually based out in singapore who had come to london in january um and and she gave us a heads up and said you know there's something going on out here that, that may be coming your way we're gonna probably need you to help us understand what what does homeworking look like? It looks like we're going to end up with, with you know, lots of people working from home. Um, and this is from a large global organization. So we started basically determining what would that look like? What does a new tool, um, following our existing methodology, um, but what does a new tool look like to assess what homeworking looks like? And, and what are some of the important characteristics of working from home compared to working in an office? Um, so we, we had a, a, about six weeks, what we normally would have done in about six months or so um, and came up with a new product and were able to launch it at the end of March with our first client um, assessing what homeworking had looked like for them when they transitioned. That was a U.S.-based client actually by then because by the end of March, as we know, um, the, the pandemic had spread to the rest of the world um, quite quickly. So, um, And since, since then, we're at over 160,000 responses in this uh, homeworking database. So it's been um, quite a shift, quite a massive amount of data we've gathered in a short amount of time, um, which, like I said, in, in terms of research and value and what we've been able to share um, and what we're seeing has been um, immensely valuable for not, not only our clients, but for the wider workplace world, um, given, given what we're finding. And, and uh, what questions do you ask on, on 
on your questionnaires? Yeah, the questionnaire looks specifically at what people do in their work. So there's a list of 21 activities, and that's standardized actually between the office survey and the home survey. Um, and we're asking basically what for people what's important in their work. So um, for most people, individual focused work at their desk is on there. But we also ask about things like reading, private conversations, business confidential discussions, um, telephone conversations. So there's this list of, of 21 fixed activities. Um, we also then ask them to rate how supported they are in their work. So if something is important to you in your work, do you, does the environment around you support it? Um, and then we do the same with the list of features. Now, the list of features um, in the office, we're looking at things like desks and chairs and meeting rooms and cleanliness and toilets and tidiness and all of these things. Um, we do the same same thing there. It's a 25, um, well, 50 total features. And we ask people what are important in their work and then how satisfied they are with them. And then the home survey, it's a slimmed down version of that because obviously in the home, we're not asking people about tidiness. <laughs> Wouldn't really be appropriate. Um, and then the last part of the survey really looks at what's the overall impact. So how, how does the workplace impact people's um, sense of connection, sense of community, their productivity? Um, in the office space, we're looking at pride. So um, those are the key areas we, we look at in the survey. Um, and at the very beginning, we're looking at demographics. So we also are understanding um, on a broad level who, who is responding to the survey. So what department are they working in? Um, what age band, what gender, those types of things. So um, all of that lets us analyze, um, looking at activity complexity um, in different areas within the demographics, kind of what, what are some of the trends and how are people experiencing their work and how is it changing um, when they're in the office environment versus the home environment? So so you launched the, the home version, did you say end of March or April? End of March, yes. End of March. So for nearly a year now since this really took hold especially um uk and other places in march you've been able to track both both sets of data for people in the office people at, at home maybe people that are working between the two what what have they been saying yeah we've had uh, we've had a number of clients actually asking employees um, to answer both sets of questions so they're answering the office and home questionnaire in one so in that instance, we're getting a really, really interesting um, mix of data because those are people who are giving us direct feedback on their office and their home experience. Um, some of the numbers we're seeing are, are quite interesting, actually, when we're looking just broadly at the global database. Um, so this is looking overall at, at the office, which the office database has over 800,000 responses in it. Um, and when we were mining the home data, which has about 145,000 responses when we looked at it, um, there was a massive increase in perceived productivity in the home environment. Um, so almost 83% of people said that their home environment enables them to work productively. Whereas in our uh, office database, that number was more closer to around 63%. Um, so interestingly, um, lots of employees are feeling like the office environment um, was less productive than the home environment. So um, it, that's, I think for a lot of employers, um, the, one of the first things they were concerned about, and certainly some of our clients was, can people be productive at home? Um, and our data is saying that in large part, yes, they can. Um, so then organizations are then starting to worry about, well, what are the other challenges? Because for knowledge workers, we're not just, we're not just about productivity. There's a lot of other components in our roles and in, in different people's roles that are um, vital for them to be, to be performing for the business to keep going. Um, okay. 
so I'd say that productivity one is is one of the, to me at least, one of the more surprising um, areas. And um, when you you talk about those numbers, it's it sounds very impressive. The hundred odd thousand um, responses is that actual individuals that are, are completing that? It is. It is. As of the beginning of this year, um, we've had over one hundred sixty thousand individuals complete um, just the the home portion of the survey. Um, and that's from more than 80 countries uh, represented. So it is a, um, it's, it's the largest independent um, database of its kind, because um, that's one of the one of kind of the key things about Leasman is we are we are independent. So we have no vested interest in the results. We don't do any sort of consulting. Um, so all of all we're doing is is collecting data and understanding um, what what it's saying for organizations. But then again, on on the whole, so we can do research and, and share that. It's probably been done to death in terms of the amount that's been written and said about, you know, those those hybrid working from home and, and this sort of thing. Everyone's an expert now on the future of work. But you guys really are. And you, you have this this granular perspective on the, the data of employee comfort and satisfaction and productivity and things. How, how do you think it's, it's going to stack up? Are we, are we all going to be at home on a Monday and, and Friday now for forever? Or what, what do you think is really going to happen? I think if you've got a shrewd CFO who's walking around the office on a Monday at 930 and he sees it's completely empty, um, I, I think that's not going to go over too well in terms of, of business and, and spending money on, on real estate that's not being used. So um, I think there will be a heck of a lot more flexibility in the future than there was um, in the past for a lot of organizations. I think they're going to struggle to you know wrestle laptops out of employees' hands and say, okay, now you're back to your desk you know, five days a week. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know how it could be as loose as we'll come in when you think you need to come in either. Um, because I think there are, while people's productivity is higher, we aren't seeing a lot of challenges, um, with, with other areas, um, particularly people feeling connected to the organization and connected to their colleagues and learning from others. Um, a few key areas in the survey that have been highlighted as, as not being particularly well supported in the home environment. So there's definitely still a need for the office, um, but it's about different organizations figuring out what, what the balance is. Um, and I think that's going to be a bit of trial and error because the, it, there isn't going to be one particular approach that works for um, small companies and one particular approach that works for large companies. It's, it's going to differ based on what different teams need the office for. Um, the more creative teams, I, I was actually reading an article this morning um, and this is something that we'd hypothesize is that innovation is going to be um, stifled in in certain organizations um, and within certain teams. And we've seen that in some of our data, uh, suggesting that some perhaps more creative teams are struggling more at home, um, given the the collaboration that they're used to and overhearing what someone said or seeing what someone said and kind of having more of that stimulation um, that they're just not getting, you know, staring at a laptop screen all day instead of having some of those interactions. So um, what it looks like for different organizations, I think, is I, 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 if I had the answer, then, uh, <laughs> then I, I would certainly let you know. Um, but I, I can say for sure that it, it will be different. Yeah, and, and some of the, the the predictions that people are are making are things like collaboration offices, where there's there's more of a clubhouse concept that people do work remotely, but then they'll get together for those you know meetings and brainstorming and collaboration and the the, the social aspect of bringing the team together, and and then we're hearing about 
the, the sort of hub and spoke, having traditional office, but then flex space alongside that, that you can increase and, and decrease. What are your views on, on any of those sorts of models that people are forecasting? Yeah, when I hear that, you know, the future of the office is, is for collaboration, I think the the, the history of the office was also um, in a lot of cases for collaboration, maybe not so much in cellular cubicles, but um, but I can say that it's it's been used for collaboration in the past and it will be used for collaboration in the future. But I think it's naive to think that people are going to say, all right, well, Tuesday, I'm going to collaborate from nine to six. So I will come in and have back-to-back meetings and then I will deal with emails and everything on Wednesday. Um, I, I our days aren't segmented like that. And it's particularly for people who are going to be commuting, um, you know, there's, there's been a huge, um, almost mass exodus from, from cities and people wanting, wanting more space and wanting green space and wanting to be further away, which means that people are going to be commuting further. Um, so if, if there, if it's impossible to come in, you know, and commute for eight hours or excuse me, collaborate for eight hours, people aren't going to commute two hours to only have a you know, a three hour meeting, perhaps. So you're still going to need a mix of spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to need a place to to decompress after a meeting. And, and a lot of what we can see in our data is that there are very few roles that people in organizations have that are highly collaborative. A lot of people have highly individual roles or they have a more balanced role um, where they do a lot of individual tasks and they do a lot of collaborative tasks. But there's going to have to be balance um, and if, or if, if organizations are redesigning offices and taking out spaces um, where employees can, can take a break, um, perhaps take a break from people, um, but also sit down and do focused work, um, then, then I think those offices, um, and, and that's what we saw in our data before, if, if they're not prioritizing individual focused work, um, it, they, they, will, they will not meet the needs of employees. Yeah, the the more that I think and talk about the future of the office with people, the more that I'm coming to the conclusion, for now anyway, that it sounds like what people are describing is is university. <laughs> it's it's like a university library space where you can go into a cubicle, but then you can come out, then you can meet round tables, then you can go into the research bit, then you can go to the quiet space, then you can sit in the comfy chairs, and you can just sort of do what your mood and task and deadline dictates do you know what I mean yes absolutely that I mean that's before the pandemic one of the things when we've done research into our high performing workplaces one of the areas that's always stood out is is variety of different types of um of places to work variety of different um just variety in general so that's something that in in these high performing spaces um has has been um a, a real standout element. So I think, I think to take all of that away, as you said, and and have it just be for collaboration, um, is is going to be a failure. I think there there has to be that mix. Um, there should have been that mix before. It shouldn't have been a bunch of cubicles or or a um, a meeting room. But um, but certainly in the future, I hope that this helps people, um, and organizations who are planning these things realize and recognize that. Um, that the variety is going to be essential, especially if you're having, you know, a mix of different people um, in the office on on some days versus others. Yeah. And, and what about going back to the, the sort of models and the forecasts that people are coming up with, the, the whole flexible co-working space? It, are there any trends that, that, that might revolve around that that are coming out of, of what you're seeing in your data? Yeah, we don't have anything in particular um, in our data that's that's 
I guess, hinting one way or another towards that. Cause we're, we're asking, I guess, specifically about the office, what their experience is in the office and what their experience is at home. Um, but anecdotally, we are, we are talking to clients. We have some clients who are bringing that into their, their 2021 plans and, and signing contracts with flex space providers to give, um, to give organizations that, that flexibility and those, those options. We, we've got one client uh, who's looking to um, utilize other, other types of real estate that's within their portfolio. So they're a retail bank. So they're, they're considering um, can people work from some of the retail banks that have offices, office areas, if they aren't going into the corporate office, if perhaps that saves them an hour commuting each way. So people are certainly looking at space differently. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, cause I think one of the key, key principles and one of the founding um, attractions perhaps to those to co-working spaces is that is a community and connection with um, with other people sharing the space. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's, I'm not sure how successful that is. So I'm not sure what people's expectations are going into those spaces. If that's their expectation, I'm not sure if it's going to be met. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the intention is for those, um, for what people are to use those spaces for. And if, if they're actually able to, um, to meet those needs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that jumped out in the last report of yours that I um, looked at earlier this month was how people working from home said that their their conversations were better. Um, I can't remember the exact phrasing of it, but um, uh, th- there was a higher score for sort of work related conversations that that uh, they were having, which surprised me a bit because I I thought that went hand in hand with collaboration, which we're told works better in the office, but I, I'm probably not um, understanding it properly. Can you can you explain that a bit more to us? Absolutely. Um, from that list of 21 activities uh, where we ask employees to tell us what's important um, in their work, several of the several of those activities are around conversations. So um, we ask about private conversations, telephone conversations, business confidential discussion, audio conferences, video conferences, um, and and those areas, those five activities that I just listed, um, all of those have been better supported at home. Um, now, when we think about other types of conversations, so collaborating um, on creative work, um, group meetings, informal, unplanned meetings, some of those more collaborative conversations, those collaborative discussions, um, those are all better supported in the office. Um, and our theory behind this actually relates to acoustics. Uh, so if you think about, you know, if you were walking by someone's desk and you want to have a quick chat, a quick informal meeting with them, or you run into someone in the hallway, um, or you go to a breakout area with, with two or three colleagues and you want to have a discussion. Um, what's going on around you sound-wise, um, it doesn't, doesn't really make too much of a difference because you know the two or three of you can sit around a table or you can chat in the hallway and it's, it's all fine. Um, but on some of those other conversations, so the audio conferences, video conferences, business confidential discussions, private conversations, and being on the telephone, those areas um, really are dependent on on acoustics. Um, so certainly for business confidential discussions and private conversations, it's not only about acoustics, but it's, it's having a space because you, you need to be able to hear what you're talking, what you're saying to another person and they need to be able to hear you, but you also don't want someone overhearing. So, um, the home environment actually is, makes that quite easy, um, to have discussions like that, to have one-on-one calls like that. And same with telephone conversations. Um, I mean, there are lots, lots of people in the past I know have been used to trying to dive out of their office and find a phone booth. Um, mm. They needed somewhere to, to make a phone call. And when we're at home, 
we don't have to do that because we have, um, in general, um, it's, it's, it's a bit easier. You have more acoustic, um, privacy and the acoustics there are better. So, um, that's been an interesting finding in the data and something, I guess we have been talking about, um, for, for years in our office data was, was the challenges around noise levels and, um, how few people in the office are satisfied with those. So I think in terms of expectations and what employees are, have now gotten used to when they go back into the office, again, this, this goes back to that need for different spaces. Um, it can't just be for collaboration. There has to be somewhere to have private conversations, to make a telephone call. Um, if more people are still working from home within an organization, you're going to want to jump on video conferences if you're in the office and some of your colleagues aren't. So again, there's going to have to be that variety that supports um, all of the, the different needs for different employees. Yeah, absolutely. And not, not just being overheard, which is obviously important and, and sensitive, but also the space to to think and, and have a clear head and, and really concentrate on that potentially difficult uh, negotiation that you're undertaking and, and give it your, your full concentration rather than worrying about who's about to walk past whilst you know, cracking a joke to somebody else. Absolutely. Or who might tap you on the shoulder, which now, you know, if we're all at home, that becomes significantly harder. Um, yes. Yeah, it's definitely, yes. definitely changing what people are going to expect. Yeah. And, and the over the overarching thing that came out um, in the conclusions of that report were around quality. And, and it seemed very simple when it was when it was put, but it really, it really hit home that the quality of the office is going to dictate how much people want to work from home. So if employers are keen to get employees back in and, and they want to retain them and not lose them to another employer and going back to your, um, you know, the, the war for talent, quality is going to be absolutely paramount in, in the future for, for the offices that we, we create. You are absolutely right. That's something um, that's something we've seen comparing the, that office and home data is that um, when we looked at, at one specific case with, with um, one particular client, the, the desire for people to return back to the office was definitely connected to how, how their score in the office, basically their LMI score and how well that office supported their needs um, to do work. So if you, if you left an office uh, where you couldn't get any work done, then all of a sudden you're at home um, and you you feel like you're getting a lot more work done. Why would you want to go back? I mean, what's the, what's the pull there? Um, so there has to be some sort of real, real reason um, for, for people to, to want to go to the office. Because again, for so many people now who didn't have a choice before they're perceiving in the future that they're going to have a choice. So this is, this is where organizations have this massive opportunity um, to, to build offices and places and create create places um, that draw people in and make them want to go. Um, again, it's, it's that destination. It becomes a destination rather than an obligation. So that's, that's what I hope we get out of all of this um, is yeah, having that choice nice places to uh, nice places to work. Yeah and for those that don't know, LMI score, what's that? Sorry, that's the Leafman Index score. So when we assess a workplace, um, when we measure the either the home environment, um, that gets an HLMI score, or the LMI score um, is the the score of that workplace. So it's it's a zero to hundred um, linear scale, and that just tells us where where that workplace or that home environment falls on that scale. And and in this um, accelerated tech world that we're living in now, and the the amount of change that we've seen in the last year. 
people are, are more hungry for, for the data, for the analytics? Are, are there product developments, new tools that uh, Leesman is, is working on that you can tell us about? Absolutely, yes. Um, we we wor- started working on a concept actually a couple of years ago, um, and then it, it's really um, it's morphed and grown in a really exciting way. Um, thanks thanks to the the events of the last twelve months um, and kind of what what the future of work looks like. So um, stay stay tuned for more info on that. Um, but we, yeah, we're we're looking at ways to better understand everywhere employees are working. Um, and on a more um, more regular basis, uh, and, and and with greater flexibility, basically. So, um, it's it's a way to look at different data, collect different data that complements um, the existing survey offerings and the existed existing data that we're collecting, um, and helps plug in some of the some of the data points in between. You know, like I said, for clients who are doing global assessments, um, it'll help them keep a better a better understanding and a better eye on on what's happening um, in between those. And and again, it's not just not just in the office and perhaps not just in the home. It could be those third spaces. So understanding kind of what the entire workplace ecosystem looks like in future. Wow, that sounds great. It's uh, keep us uh, up to date with that and uh, give us a heads up. We look forward to covering that on Place Tech. Absolutely, I certainly will. Thanks. Yeah, and 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 at Leesman, do you have the the best office in the world? Then, given what you do, that you know what uh, what makes a, a good office from a from a bad one. We certainly do our best to make sure that our our office um, meets the needs of our employees. I mean, we do we took our home survey, we do take the office survey. Um, we happen to be in a in a co working space. Actually, we've got an office um, in one of the office group, one of Tog Spaces. Um, so that gives us huge variety, which is which is great, um, not only within our building, but also all of the staff have access to um, under normal circumstances, um, not under lockdown, access to the other um, other TOG spaces. So um, I, I'd say we've got a pretty good office and we're always doing everything we can um, to make it better and make the, make it meet the needs of everyone who's using it. Good, good. Excellent. Well, it would be, be nice to visit and uh, meet up when all this is over. And, uh, and thank you for, for joining us uh, today, Alison English from Leesman. Thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Good. I hope you enjoyed that uh, latest episode of the Place Tech podcast, wherever you're listening. And we look forward to you joining us again soon. Thank you.